Welcome to Preston's Super Show. News, sports, and a whole lot more. It's the Super Show, baby. Warning. This show contains material that is only suited for patriotic audiences and people who have a backbone. If you like God, guns, and glory, you're listening to the right show. Sit back or carry on and enjoy Preston's Super Show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Sounds good, right? There are a lot of places you can host your podcast. Those other podcast hosting sites love to make you pay, thinking they're doing you a favor. Not at Anchor. Folks, this is free. None of Anchor's competitors make distribution and monetization as seamless as Anchor does. I predict Anchor to be the face of podcasting in the next five years. If you're an experienced podcaster or newcomer, doesn't make a difference. Get your show on Anchor today. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Preston's Super Show. Welcome to Preston's Super Show. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. It's a lot going on. A lot going on in the world. Every time I I do a podcast, I feel like there's just so much going on. It's almost a disservice to only cover one topic. But I feel it's important to absolutely nail whatever topic I'm covering. So we kicked off season two with the last episode. And just give you a little bit of info about where the show's at. So right now the show is hosted on Anchor. Anchor is the platform uh, where you can find all the shows, but it also distributes to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so on and so forth. So it distributes it everywhere, pushes it out everywhere. Tune in radio and you, you know, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. So my show's all over, all over. You, you won't have a problem finding that. You just have to decide if this is a show for you or not. What I want to talk about is what's the future of this show, what the future of this show is going to look like. You know me, I'm outspoken, I talk up a storm, 
The goal is to have guests on the show. The goal is to bring in guests on the show. But at first, it made more sense for me to build a show about who I was and what I wanted to talk about before I brought guests on. Because I've done other podcasts in the past and had people on and it was kind of just random. And instead of having one of those random shows, this is a little bit more structured. Um, and that's the way I like things to be. It's a reflection of who I am. So when I bring people on now, it's not uh, going to be talking about nothing. It's going to be talking about something they're doing or something they're uh, working toward. And then, of course, you know, you can't stop uh, a little bit of conversation going one way or another. And one thing leads to another and conversation can go anywhere. But that's the beauty of it. But my show is different than other people. You notice how it's called Preston's Super Show, not Preston's Super Podcast. Preston's Super Show. It is a podcast. It's in podcast form. But this show could easily be flipped over to the radio. This show could be easily flipped to Sirius XM radio and different radio stations. Easily. It's up to the audience. It's up to you if you want it there. That's up to you. The numbers are what drives the podcast business. Like any other business. It's about the numbers. Where are your plays at? Where are your listens at? What are your downloads at? All of that stuff. But my goal is to give you quality. So that whether you're listening to the podcast today, a month from now, 10 months from now, 10 years from now, you can come back and get quality. I have talked to other people, very smart people. I'm not going to go into detail about who they are or what their business is. So you can try to dismiss who they are. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say these are very smart people. And the word around the campfire, and they've, I've asked for information that support this claim, and I did get the information back, believe it or not, that podcasting is bigger on Twitch. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and podcasting in that video format people like, and that's good. People like to see what your setup is. They like to kind of see the things behind you, what you look like, and all this, and that's good. But we're also getting away from the content, the subject matter. And when I do my podcast, my podcast has very, very concrete subject matter that I am not pushing on you, but I am providing you with. You do what you want with the information I give you. You can throw it in the trash. You can bring it up to your friends. Co-workers, we all know how it works. You talk about anything at work nowadays. So you could talk about, you know, your uh, this guy Preston you listen to and his super show and the different things he talks about. And he's a common sense conservative. He's middle of the road, leaning right. 
He believes in the Constitution. He believes the Constitution. I'm talking about myself in third person, but this is what you could say. You say he believes that the Constitution has defects and they need to be corrected. And that can only be done in a constitutional convention. And that's my stance on the Constitution. The Constitution is an imperfect document. But that is not to say it's an invalid document. What it is, is the official democracy, the official piece of democracy that we have in this country. It's the foundation for the republic. Now you can look in the Constitution, doesn't talk about democracy. We talk about democracy. And that's good. We should. But we live in a republic. And for that republic to be successful, we have to have a constitution. The reason the constitution in some areas needs to be fixed is because of the ambiguous language that Marxist, communist, extremist, And the law profession continue to abuse on a national level, on a state level, all the way down to your neighborhood, abusing the Constitution, using the language in the Constitution, not as it was intended, but as they see fit. And there's a big difference. People, for some reason, have a myth in their head. There's this misconception that's just kind of lying there, like a carcass on the side of a road. And it's just there, and you see it, and it's apparent, but no one's bothered removing the carcass. And that is that the founders weren't specific. They didn't know exactly what they were intending. And that's absolutely not true. James Madison and all of the 56 uh, signers of the Constitution, they knew exactly what they were doing. The Constitution has been changed. Over the course of history, the progressive, the, the new progressive movement changed it. FDR changed the Constitution and allowed for it to be changed. Eisenhower, and the list goes on. And when we get to the late 90s, instead of going back and fixing the mistakes that the progressives have made, we've turned a blind eye to it. And that's what troubles me, that we're not addressing the elephant in the room which is the Constitution 
and the defects at the progressive movement, along with the Great New Deal and the Supreme Court justices of those times, allowed for the Constitution to be altered, and not in a way that was reflecting the intent of the founders or the will of the people. And that is very specific and direct, and I hope it hits home with you. The Constitution is a document that I study vigorously, and I do everything I can to drill it into my head, because the Constitution is a reflection of every one of us. No matter if you leave this country one day, move somewhere else because you're just sick and tired of it and you think there's somewhere better for you, maybe there is. That constitution is still a part of where you came from and who you were and where you grew up and what you know and how you perceive things. The constitution forms and shapes those ideas without you even knowing it. Today's show, I want to talk about the minimalist movement that's on the rise. And it's really on the rise. I've been following this very carefully over the last four years. I've been digging and getting every piece of information I can, watching massive amounts of videos on tiny homes and uh, minimalist way uh, ways of living because I'm just fascinated by it. I have many different interests. What do you think of when I say minimalist? Do you think small? Do you think tiny? Do you think less? A minimalist can be used as both a noun and an adjective, a person who favors a moderate approach to the achievement of a set of goals or who holds minimal expectations for the success of a program is a minimalist. That's the Merriam-Webster definition. I am fascinated by the concept of living in a tiny house an earth house, or a home on the road. Not because it's trendy, because it embodies the frontier spirit. Self-sufficiency. Freedom to travel and not worry about what's happening back home at your house. Because your home is with you. Very different scenario, isn't it? However, you can be a minimalist right where you are right now. Oh, yes. You don't have a, uh, have to live in a tiny house or an RV. And I mean a nice RV, right? Not some cheap run-of-the-mill, talk about something from like Camping World, not trying to plug them, 
but I, I follow them on social media. I see what they have. I see the technology. These, these are really self-sufficient homes and it's just dressed up as an RV. It's literally the same thing as having a home on the road, but you don't have to be in one of these. That's not what minimalism is about. That's not why minimalism is on the rise. It's a part of it, but that's not the main reason driving the minimalism movement. If you believe in moderation, if you believe in getting the most use out of something before throwing it out, or even if you repurpose something used that is at the very core of minimalism. If you believe in decluttering and having what's necessary over what's trendy, you are a minimalist. You didn't even know it. Or maybe you did. You're asking, why does this matter? Why does this matter to you? What does this even mean for you? Why did you wait? No stimulus. Joe, Joe Biden might be president. Why does this matter? This is a good, this is a good question. If you're asking that question, that's a good question. And good question deserve good answers. The reason minimalism matters is multifaceted. But if you are looking for one answer, I will tell you in my eyes, it says everything about your character. You can look at mansions, beautifully crafted townhomes, high-rise condos, and everything in between. But if you end up living in a tiny house by choice, that shows you not only are willing to forego life's luxuries, but also the attention those luxuries bring. We all have a battle in our head at some point to be more productive. You could start in the morning, you could start in the afternoon, you could start at night, at midnight, you could start at two in the morning, like for a lot of times it does me. I do a lot of my writing at night because that's when I have the imagination and the motivation and the inspiration all comes together, comes together under the moon. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. That's, if you ask me why, I can only tell you that that's what God has allowed me to do. He's allowed me to put all my thoughts together at that time. To be able to create, invent, build, whatever you want to call it. The real battle we should be fighting is one where we are working to be more efficient. Would you rather do one thing right and not have to go back and fix it, not have to worry about anything going wrong with it, you know it was done right, the deal is sealed. 
Or would you rather do a handful of things that may work or may not? Basically, throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks? It might. But for how long? We know longevity has its place. We all know that. Either way, we have a false sense of productivity, and we've all experienced that. Where we've run a lot of errands, maybe. And we feel like we were productive. And that's not saying that you shouldn't have run those errands. Those were important that you did that. But running those errands wasn't productive. Running those errands were basic responsibility. Personal responsibility is what you handle on a day-to-day basis. That doesn't mean you're being productive. That means you're being functioning. A functioning citizen of society. Which we are all asked to be. We all have this sense that if we're productive. Use the example of fixing something. And then it breaks again. You come back, and now you don't feel productive anymore. Instead of being efficient, taking the time, doing it right, you're now coming back to backtrack over your steps. That time, you're not going to get back now. That time is gone. Can't get that time back. So you have to move forward. It's not the end of the world. But imagine how many times we've all done that. Where we've rushed something. Where we put too many things on our plate at one time. And we think the plate's fine. But it's really cracked right down the middle. I look at politics this way. Instead of doing too much at once. Why aren't we taking it one issue at a time? And getting it right. Food for thought. Food for thought. Because I want to finish my. I want to finish nailing this here. For everybody that is interested in minimalism. And tiny home. I want to finish this for you. I have a good. Good uh, construct here. A good concept for you. A big misconception out there. About minimalists. Or people who live. In a tiny home. Is you don't have electricity or are off the grid somewhere in Bufu. When instead, the opposite applies in many cases. A lot of tiny homes are on the grid and have every essential a regular traditional home has. Shower, dishwasher, living space, washer, range, oven, uh, bookshelf. Uh, you know, what do you need? Tables, fold out, uh, 
couches that fold out to the beds, all different types of setups I've seen. Um, half of uh, the tiny home being split up one side. Uh, the far end would be a shower and then the kitchen area. The washer was uh, combined under the stairs where you could reach it. It was so gnarly. It was so cool. And there was a bedroom over there above all of it. This is a tiny home. This is like a, like a, you would have thought it was like a storage unit or something. And then on the other side, they had a, like a nice little area that you could play a game in. You had an Xbox or PlayStation 5, whatever. You could hook it all up right there. You got a computer, you could hook it up right there. I mean, and then above that was a, the master bedroom. Very nice. I mean, some of these tiny houses are sleek. Nobody said you couldn't add an extension onto your tiny home. That could be retracted if need be. If it were up to me, I would have a nice awning, comfortable chairs, a game of bags set up, and if I needed to bring a TV or radio outside, I would set that up. I wouldn't have any issue setting that up. You might. I wouldn't. Um, and I, you believe me, uh, there's definitely a way to figure it out nowadays. The data shows us that tiny homes emit 2,000 pounds of greenhouse gases opposed to 28,000 pounds of greenhouse gases traditional homes emit. That's staggering. If you just look at that picture alone, you are, you are just taking your carbon footprint and leaving a, basically a toe. A tiny home uses 7% of the energy a traditional home uses. That's on average. Some do more, but it depends on what your setup is as well. Now, if you're a conservative out there, if you're moderate, if you're a freedom fighter, if you're somebody that believes in liberty, if you're someone that believes in a strong uh, economy and a strong environment like I do. I believe a strong economy and a strong environment go hand in hand. They really do. Because you talk about the environment, you're also factoring in agriculture. When you talk about the economy, you're factoring in agriculture. So they go hand in hand. The next time you find one of uh, your more environmental heavy friends, more on the heavy side, more on the uh, Joe Biden side of things, put it that way, wants to get rid of uh, fossil fuels. And they're talking about cutting greenhouse gases. And just remind them what you learned here about tiny homes, about RV living, about different types of small homes. That you could get into. That would completely remove this carbon footprint. And then make sure you ask them. Are they planning on moving into a tiny home. If they're not already. 
and I'm going to have some links, two links, where you can go and look at the data about tiny homes. You can see all the good statistical information. I'll have that in the description. And then I'll also have a link where uh, there's somewhere where you can actually see where you can buy the tiny homes. And that that's a real cool one. And uh, there's a lot of information there uh, about how many are getting made, what are they, how many are in surplus. And uh, both those links will be up for you in the description. So you have those to look forward to. And they're not like a, like a, it's not like a research paper or something. It's just basically real easy to read stuff that you can just see what's going on with the tiny home movement. And we're not even talking about the earth houses that are some of the coolest things I've I've ever seen are these earth houses. I'm not saying I could live like that in an earth house, but a, a, a house that, that runs 100% off the grid. Now, some earth houses are on the grid, which is really helpful. But the, but the ones that aren't, those are the ones you can look at and see in certain areas where, uh, I've watched a lot of different videos too, where you will see actually how the development goes for those earth houses. And it works if they do the right research and planning. If the construction management is on point, those work. Those earth houses do work, but it, that is a very expensive process. But there's software out there that they use. There's a, a lot of different softwares out there, but th there's some really good stuff out there that's being used to design these earth houses to get the most out of the environment. How cool is that? That is the coolest thing you've heard all week. So everybody wants to talk about the election and everything, and I know it's frustrating. And, and there are a lot of people out here that are hurting. A lot of people I know hurting. Um, it's not easy right now. These are hard times um, for all of us. And the government has continued to put us on a back burner. But you have something to bring up to your friends that's not election related now. Tiny, tiny house movement, tiny home movement, minimalist movement. You're on board or you're not. Either way, it's fine. We're all going to survive. But the point is, this is on the rise, and I I see uh, older people doing this. The numbers are there. Statistics are there. And I see the younger generations getting into this. This is going to be huge. This is going to be a huge boom. Now you have something to bring up. I will leave the rest to you. I'm going to go ahead and play the ad. Got to make a couple pennies off the show. And we'll be back with more. And I'm going to rap about the economy. Not for long, but I'm going to touch on a couple things that are really bothering me. And uh, we'll be back right after this. Stay tuned. All right, I'm back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm glad if you did. If not, you got the tiny house movement 
right? If the people that aren't here anymore, they don't want to listen to me rap about the economy, that's fine. What I want to talk about first is that, and don't don't get me wrong, don't mince my words. I'm I'm one of the biggest supporters of. I hate when people say they're the biggest supporter. That's true if you give the most money to somebody. Then yes, you are the biggest uh, supporter. But then there's a lot more going on than that too. But then yeah, that would be true. You are the biggest supporter. I'm one of the biggest supporters for. Our president, Donald J. Trump, President 45. I am one of his biggest supporters. I've critiqued him where I thought he could have done better. But I do I do really believe that he's done about a, about as much as, he's, uh, as he could. And I believe that he did more than he had to. I really do. I really honestly do. And we can have that discussion. That's fine. Um, I, that We can have that discussion. I'm open to that discussion. But what I'm not open to is the blatant disrespect, the blatant disregard for the law, the Chuck Schumers of the world. That's not up for debate. These people are vile. These people are nasty. These people are, in many cases, heinous, and have done damage that is beyond repair for the United States of America. The anarchists, the different cults that still exist, that we won't stop, stomp out, that we won't put our foot down on, and I have a, a friend we're going to be doing a uh, a podcast about that, a very educated man. We're going to be doing a uh, an episode, not a whole, not a podcast, but it, we're going to do a, a podcast episode um, on cults and and what cults are around right now, and and, and why aren't these cults being stopped out, and what's stopping them? Scientology's one, but there's many. It's very dangerous. Now, I believe in religious liberty. I believe in religious freedom. I don't believe those are slogans. I believe that with my blood. With my blood, I believe that. I really do. I believe in religious liberty and religious freedom. No one had to force me uh, to find God. Nobody, nobody put a gun to my head and said, you have to believe this, Preston. No one said that to me. I found God on my own. I could say he found me, if that makes you feel better. But in my eyes, I found him. And the reason I found him, and the reason I sought him, was because I took a good look in the mirror. I took a good look around me. But then I looked back at the mirror. And the man in that mirror. 
Who am I going to be? What am I doing to benefit society? Now, I'm uh, not as talented as uh, some of these chemists and doctors and these people that could come up with these vaccines and do some of these other extraordinary things. I, I'm, I'm not on that level. But there's something I should be doing. Am I being kind to people? Am I being kind to strangers? Am I not throwing fuel on the fire? Are, and what I mean by that is, are there conversations that are happening that I don't need to be involved in? But I involve myself. <clears throat> now, so far, I've been good about that in life. You know, when we're younger, we're hot-headed, we're more willing to argue. When we get older, we're more willing to uh, dismiss things. Easy. We dismiss things easier when we get older. We also procrastinate a lot more as we get older. But one thing that does happen that's good when you get older, um, out of the many horrific things that happen when you get older, because there are many, many horrific things that happen when you get older. And uh, we don't have to talk about that today, but there's, there's a lot of, a lot of damaging things that happen when you get older. But, uh, one good thing, one thing that is definitely worth waking up for is the ability to learn from yourself. And being able to learn from yourself. You may not know what that means. And that just means you haven't done it yet. You may have gotten close. You may have tried, but you haven't really learned from yourself. You, you don't really know what your habits are. So you got to find out what your habits are. You got to be able to admit to your faults and your weaknesses. You have to be able to say this is a weakness. This is a, this is an area where I'm I'm lacking. And then you have to look at your strengths. Then you have to begin to play on your strengths. And then while you're sharpening your tools, you have to remember those weaknesses. And you have to reinforce them. You may be bad at something and it puts a bad taste in your mouth. But that doesn't mean you, in a sense, you crap all over it. Because someone you know might want to do that. And I've been guilty of that. And not on purpose. But just as a natural reaction. So I found out a weakness of mine. A long time ago I found out well, the weakness of mine was I I uh I speak before I think sometimes. 
could be because I'm pre-exposed to what's about to be said. Or it could be the fact that that's just how I am. That's how my DNA is. That's how I'm built. It could be either one of those. But by making the mistake, I'm not punishing myself for it. I'm learning from it. And then I'm not making that mistake. I'm removing that from my arsenal that is now no longer in the playbook. And I don't dwell on it. I won't dwell on it. I just simply will have that in my head so that when that situation pops up, I automatically know exactly how I'm going to handle myself. I always tell people, I have a lot of people that will come to me and they're mad. And I'm glad they come to me and that they are confident in me. And they'll come to me when they're mad and they'll say, this person's this, this person's that. And the world can go to you know what. And I'll say, okay. I used to not really have a good way of handling that. I would almost bail them out. I never condone violence. So then I had to build on that. How can I be better at defusing situations? Not something that I started, but something that someone brought on my doorstep. So people say, show empathy. Right? Show empathy. There's a fine line when you show empathy. Are you feeling sorry for somebody? Or are you trying to help somebody? Because I don't believe you can help somebody by feeling sorry for somebody. So I believe in asking questions. I have to know why they feel that way. What put that thought in their head? I need the information. I need the background. So then I get that. They'll have no problem giving that to you if they're already bringing their issue to you. Instead of turning them away or dismissing it because you were pre-exposed to this situation before or whatever it can be. I implore you to take that situation head on. There's a lot of people that aren't here anymore that I wish they could bring their problems to me. I really do. But that's not the case. What happens now is what you can do, is what I can do. And that is not push off problems, but get in front of the problem and stomp the problem out.
how do you stop the problem out? You have to know what you're up against. If they, if someone's bringing something to your doorstep, you need the information on why they feel this way. Why are they angry? Why are they mad? Is this a common thing? Is this beginning to be is this becoming a trend? Are we seeing a the pattern develop of inconsistencies? In their story? Or is their story holding firm? Because it's going to be your role. To guide them. Back to the straight and narrow. And not allow your friends. Or your family. Or whoever brings you. An issue. Not allow them to run wild with it, but to confront it, to deal with it, and to move on. But being efficient, big theme of this show today. And if you want to really be efficient, don't put your problems off. Don't put other people off. Tomorrow is not promised. I'm not saying live for the moment. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm not saying any of that. That's not what this show's about. If you want to hear the mindless dribble, go to CNN, go to MSNBC, go to Fox News if you want to hear the lunatics. But the reason that I'm glad that there's podcasting and talk radio. These are the only things that are keeping us connected. I like Newsmax. I like One America News. There's there's certain news people on Fox that do a good job. But Fox is losing cre- credibility fast. You don't need me to tell you that. I don't think they're going anywhere. But I do think they're losing credibility fast. I don't think it's a good situation over there. You look at Bloomberg. Same thing. Mindless dribble. They don't want to talk about the real news. They want you fixated on the stock market. They want you distracted with the Federal Reserve. They want you to watch some documentary about some train being stolen. From some backyard. And although I'm sorry that train got stolen out of that backyard. What about. All of the things that are being stolen. From the American people. What about our dignity. How much dignity. Do you have with that mask on your face. I'd like to know. How much dignity do you have in having that diaper on your face? I'd really like to know. I feel very shallow when I have to wear that mask. Very shallow. Doesn't feel good. 
not a good feeling. Not easy to breathe in that uh, in the mask even. Unprecedented times. We're not wearing a mask because it's something we can see in the air. You know, you know, China, the smog covered all of these streets. And the people normally wear a mask. They're wearing a mask before COVID. Before COVID-19 in China, they're wearing masks because of pollution so bad. Because they don't care. The government over there doesn't care. Bloomberg won't talk about that. They're, they're, they literally tried to say that China was in the Paris Climate Agreement. Your mainstream media organizations were trying to say that China was part of the Paris Climate Accord. With the smog-covered cities? How long were they going to take to enact that? 2050. It wouldn't have been done until 2050. I probably won't even have one, you know, by the time we get there, who knows? Who, who knows? Maybe by then we'll have a little bit better brass of people. I do believe that generations now can learn quicker um, that are coming up through the school systems. But I believe that the bureaucrats in Washington have done everything they can to make the public school system a disgrace. I don't believe that happened under Trump. I'm talking about a long time ago. They, the public school system was, was always fairly loose uh, in their rules. Go back to, you know, the 80s, the 90s. But something changed in the early 2000s. Something changed. It wasn't 9-11. That was, that was huge. That, that changed the country, but... That didn't change the schools and how strict and how different they were. And I'm not trying to say strict like uh, rule wise. We know Columbine, the shooting of in uh, in Colorado. We know that that school shooting really set the what would be uh, the unfortunate tides of uh future school shootings that that loan those those acts from those men would set this uh dark side in in people that would go that would go to the dark side which i believe they they would go to the dark side um satanic and i believe uh they would do everything they can to get closer to the devil and in doing that, they uh, decided that to kill would be the the best way, and I believe that that's that's what happens. Uh, that I believe there's there is definitely 
demonic uh, possession. There's some type of demonic energy uh, in these people that that kill in this way, in this manner, and that can kill uh, children. I believe there's 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 something demonic about that. I can't narrow it down specifically um, because that's not my field of expertise, and I can't pretend to be an expert. But I can say, outside looking in, without a shadow of a doubt, being a man of faith, I can tell you that is demonic. That is demonic. That the way people could kill this way. And the school shootings that have happened since then. That has changed the security part of schools somewhat to where in high school you would have all these different hall monitors. Um, watching the doors. Uh, schools bumped up police presence, things like that. But that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm really driving at is the the little things that add up. The school lunches. And trying to make kids healthier, so giving them these this terrible food, but because it was low and sodium and it was low in different areas that they were looking for there was no issue it was bland for us it was terrible food but it wasn't like that in uh, my freshman year freshman year was really good uh the seniors of the high school were allowed to if they lived in a certain distance from school, they could go home for lunch. This was a senior privilege. This was something you stuck it out all these years in this in this crappy, dingy school, packed uh, a thousand kids over the limit, um, and then you would get this privilege. So you'd be able to go home and eat for lunch. Let's just say that as an example. Well, they took that away my sophomore year of high school. And then we've seen more things happen. Um, where they changed the law on truancy and made it tougher on people that didn't want to graduate. And almost made you a criminal because you didn't want to graduate high school. Where in my parents' day, Many of their friends stopped at 8th grade. Not many of their personal friends, but many of their friends at school during those times. Yeah, those many of those people. Talk to your parents. People in their 50s, people in their 60s. A lot of those people stopped at 8th grade. Many of them did. They didn't go to school after that. But there was this pressure. That they were putting, and I could feel the pressure, but I could see it also on other kids. That the schools even became tighter and their rules tougher on the teachers. Which then resulted in the students getting that. Not only would the teachers give it back, it would be more difficult for you to catch up. I also noticed that in high school, the teachers didn't talk to you about your grade. They they didn't come around and say, 
hey, you're, you're slipping here. You know, what can we do for you to help you pick this up? Where I, I don't remember anything like that before high school. I'm not saying you were catered to. I'm just saying that it, they would say, hey, what's going on? Uh, do we need to move your seat? You know, what, what's going on here? They cared. But you got to high school and there was this, not only was it stricter rule-wise after my freshman year, but then it became like a thing where the teachers just stopped. Whatever. So they would tell you your grade after so long, you know, they were obligated to tell you after so long what your grade was before you would get your report cards and all this. You wouldn't even know if you were failing a class. They wouldn't even tell you. You would have to ask. So you would just turn in your little assignments and that would be that. And you would just go along, take a test when you got to do a test. Put in a report when you do a report. What do we do? You tell me. You tell me what I got to do. I got to do it. That's the way I looked at it. I didn't care, but I noticed it. I noticed the problems. You're a kid. What can you do? Who who's gonna who's gonna give a damn? The guidance counselors. These people sitting on their fat ass doing nothing. That act like they're fighting for you when all they do is put together a little schedule. They're schedule makers. You can get a big computer to replace those people. And the things they did, they did, they did a lot of things right. Health class, teaching about diseases, STDs, things like that. Very important because for some reason, People were 15 to 16 in the high school getting each other knocked up. It was, it was insane. It was, it was like nothing you would have ever seen. They normalized, they were trying to normalize this and make it seem like it was okay. This was not okay. That's not okay to be having kids at 15, 16 years old. That's not the kid's fault. The kid needs to be cared for. What you need to under, but, but there needs to be some type of understanding. That that's not the way it should happen for your kid. Just because you did it doesn't mean it was right. And there, that's what I'm worried about in the future. I can't set the example for other people's kids. Hopefully they will, because if you're looking for the schools to do it, they will up to a point, but then that high school kicks in, and freshman year, I'm telling you, freshman year, even freshman year, they're not telling you if you're failing. You have to go and ask. They'll tell you when, after so long, after so many weeks, they tell you, like, all right, you know, here's going to be your grade or whatever, and then. Not too long from then, then the report card comes out. You get a little bit of time to try to bring that up, but not enough that if you were failing to bring it up much, you might not be able to save it. So that was another big issue in school was uh, too many kids in one class. That was another problem. 
I talked about this on a sh- on a sh- on a show I did a long time ago, uh, on a YouTube show I did. It's on my YouTube channel, still up there, and uh, it was really just nailing down the exact point of we're in a school that's packed, that's overcrowded, where they're putting trailers outside. Called they called them annexes, but they were trailers. So they put trailers outside where you would go in. They dress them up real nice. And, uh, that's where you went, you know, to, to get the other part of the, uh, education, you know, for whatever class you needed, what did you, whatever class you were taking out there. I I thought it was hillbilly. I thought it was really hillbilly because, um. The pr- the problem I had with it was we we had a vote on whether or not we should build a new uh, high school and the people said no, but they voted to build another a smaller school. This would be for, I believe it was fifth and sixth graders. So this is where the fifth and sixth graders would go, and I mean this was this school is a nice school i mean wow imagine if they would have done a high school out there that would have been insane so yeah i mean they really dropped the ball in that area whether whether the taxpayers like it or not in that area you're going to have to have a new high school at some point they put an expansion onto the the current high school, um, and that's going to hold up because through COVID and things like that, you're going to see the the people moving here go down. So that's gonna that's gonna hold up for a while, but then after that fills up, then what? See, I care about my alma mater. I care, but the high school number one. Is surrounded by neighborhoods. And like many are in Chicago, where you're just walking down the street and you're like, oh, whoa, there's a school here. Oh, okay. It's not like in a separate secluded area that's a little bit safer. It's just, poof, just anybody could live here. Anybody. Across the, the school for a long time. You know, I was in math class one day. I'm pretty sure I watched a drug deal happen right out of uh, math class. Nice, right? Just a math lab, a drug deal going on. Oh, nothing to see here. Where's the school cop? Oh, who knows? Flirting with the English teacher. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. I'm not his boss. Why should I know? I'm doing the freaking podcast. Why the hell would I know what that guy's doing? All I know, it looked like a drug deal going down outside. Oh, whatever. I'm just a math class trying to learn. Algebra 1. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Come to find out one of those houses uh, over there was a dope house. Turned out to be a dope house over there. They end up getting uh, condemned. Right next to the high school. Isn't that nice? The little area you can walk right across. Coming from uh, that neighborhood. Isn't it lovely? That's what they wanted. They were more worried about trying to lock up the parents of 
kids who are old enough to make their own decisions and not have to go through the monotonous uh, problems that they didn't want to go through. And some sometimes things are just not a right fit. And you have to ask yourself, why is it not a right fit? Is it me? Is it the system? And don't think I'm against school. I believe in school. I graduated high school. I think everybody should. But I can understand why people don't. Why do you think the dropout rate is what it is? Why do you think that number goes up every year? Because the schools don't get addressed. Because the kids get left behind. Who's going to speak up for them? Oh, the Democrats? Oh, where? Where are they at? They just passed the buck to the teachers union. Sit back behind the board of education and whatever district they're in. They sit behind the board of education. Those people dictate policy. The people, the teachers at the school. Don't get me wrong. Many are good. They have a very tough job, but many of them just blow it off. They are long in the tooth, or they got into it just looking for a cushy job. Maybe somebody in their family was a teacher, told them the ins and outs. A lot of that happens in every in every industry. But it's definitely an issue when it comes to teaching in the public school system and how and how just corrupted it is. It's so corrupted. And I feel for, I do feel for the kids that have to go through public schools. Private schools are fine. They have their issues, but it's not on the state. It's not on the, uh, the taxpayer. Those issues aren't the taxpayer's, uh, issues. The public school issues are the taxpayer's issues. And we need the people to be going into high school getting a better experience than I did. Getting a fair shot than I did. Because I didn't get a fair shot. The teachers didn't care. I had uh, an English teacher. I'm not going to say her name. But uh, this was the laziest teacher I've ever had. Every day of class, we would wait 15 minutes. Remember, class is about 45 minutes long. It's not an hour. It's about 45 minutes because you got five minutes to get all your stuff together, ask questions, and then at that 50-minute mark, 55-minute mark, uh, you were you were released to to leave the class. So it was about 45 minutes where you could actually learn something. So, in a class, you get about 45 minutes of learning time and about five minutes of work on your homework time, if you had it. So it in many classes, I didn't have homework, believe it or not. Um, the teachers were so lazy, they didn't even give us homework. I mean, that's really some serious. So, then you look at, uh, now you got no homework. 
or you do have homework, whatever. It just depended on the teacher. Some of them were a little more old school in their way, so they had the homework ready. But a lot of them, the newer ones, or the kind of fresher ones to teaching, maybe they were not really doing it at this level. They were doing it at a smaller level, smaller grade than high school. They come up to high school, and uh, the transition is different. But they're just looking for a cushy job. And I had an English teacher, and that's what she had. So every day we wait for 15 minutes before she would come to class, sometimes longer. And we would just literally just stand out in the hall because the door was locked to the classroom. So we'd just stand out in the hall for like 15 minutes. Class was started. And uh, this went on for weeks. This went on for weeks. And a teacher came by one day. It This was one day where um, we were waiting for about 20 minutes. And we were hanging out by the stairs being stupid. And uh, My friend was trying to uh, scare people coming up the stairs, walking up, not down, but walking up the stairs. He was scaring people. And the teacher comes around the corner and he says, oh, he tried to act so cool, but it was, it was done. It was done. So she walked up and seen us all standing out there, like all of us. There's like 30 kids out here standing in the hallway. We're just like standing here, like just hanging out, people just chilling. It's like it's like uh, the freaking Moon Monkey Cafe or some shit on a, like uh, the hottest day of the week. Like it, it was so funny, and it was it was only this. Like I had a feeling like we're the only ones going through this. Like we are the only ones do and this is happening to. And she started freaking out. Like where's your um, where's your guys' teacher at? Why aren't you guys in class? You guys can't be in the hallway. You know, she asked like four questions, you know, knowing that none of us were going to have the right answer. So we're all standing there and uh, we're laughing because, uh, you know, my friend basically got caught, but she's not even paying attention to him anymore. She's just so focused on, you know, she's fixated on all of us. So she's very, very focused on us and she goes, she she's looking at us and, uh, all of a sudden, our teacher comes around the corner. They start getting, uh, the teacher gets us, first she uh, unlocks the door, gets us in the classroom. We all go in the classroom, get our stuff ready. It's been like 20 minutes. We already missed 20 minutes of class. This, do you think this teacher cares? you think that teacher cares? Look at that picture. That was going on for weeks. I have a lot of good stories about school. Oh yeah, that was a good time while uh uh while I wanted it to be. It was a good time. But I tell you, I could I could not laugh harder. I mean that class was so boring too. That's one of, that was a sleeper class, I'm not gonna lie, I slept in that class a couple times. Not gonna lie, and that like, you weren't allowed to sleep in school anymore. Like, those days were over. You couldn't sleep in school anymore. If you slept in school, you were going, you were getting in trouble. 
So I was really slick about um <laughs> not getting caught. Uh, like I was really slick at uh sleeping in class. So like some kids get caught because they drooled. So I would make sure not to drool. Like I didn't want to be that kid. Um, so I always practice not drooling, which is a hard thing to master. So while we're in the classroom, like we're all getting filed in the classroom, my friend Cody goes to like the door and like uh he's listening and, and I can hear the two teachers are out there arguing. And they're arguing about, you know, why is all your students standing out here? So on and so forth. And she's saying, well, I have this to do, you know, uh, she was, for some reason, she had something scheduled for that time uh, prior to that class. Terrible time management for a teacher. Terrible example to set. Terrible, I mean, it was a terrible class, and I loved English. I love, I write. What the hell? I, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm getting, I'm working on a fiction novel. Badge in the Shadows. It's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be everything. What do you want from me? I'm just sharing these good experiences with you because they come from a long time ago now. It's been a long time. And these were just very funny things I always remember because they were just so good. You couldn't make it up. You could, this is not Stranger Things. But this was real life. This is exactly what the public schools were. It was a mockery. It was a mockery. Some of us caught on. Some of us did. Some of us caught on that, you know, they didn't care. We just had to do what we had to do until we were done with this place. And keep going to school until, you know, you graduate. Just keep going. But we knew in the back of our heads that this was a serious problem. Many, many of us knew. And that's why I hope the future generations, my generation, I hope they wake up. I really do. I, I pray for them. I pray, I pray for my generation. I pray for all generations, but I, I do pray for my generation because I'm worried. I'm worried that they've bought the lie and sold the truth. But these are things that are near and dear to my heart. Wanting better public schools, wanting the kids, uh, every kid to have a fair shot and a better shot than I did. I didn't care. But I continued to work hard, and then I did get a, a teacher that cared. I'll say his name. His name was Mr. Jackson. Mr. Jackson was the first black teacher I ever had. And by that point of my high school career, um, there wasn't much teaching that you had to do for me. I didn't ask many questions because I believe that a lot of my questions would be answered in the material when it came to this class was English. 
So when we study English, we study literature. When we study these these things, these these great subjects that have been that have gotten such a disservice. These classes I got, uh, the coursework I got from Mr. Jackson, um, and the moral support was important. He updated me on my grade more. He updated about, updated me on where I was with certain things. When he, when he critiqued my when he critiqued my work, it didn't feel like he was telling me I was dumb or stupid. He was telling me, he wasn't showing me how to be better, but he was telling me the areas I needed to be better in. Not just saying you're missing this or you don't have this, but you don't have this and this is why you need this. And that positive reinforcement. Now, I, wasn't, I wasn't getting that since before high school. Cause like I said before high school, it was good. School was great. I loved it. When I got to high school, after that first semester, that was a really bad taste in my mouth because of just the disrespect from the teachers, the lack that they didn't care and that they put on a show. And that's always been kind of a thorn in my side. And I've always been motivated by that. That the public school system is flawed. It wasn't just my school. I've talked to other people in other schools that have way worse stories than mine. And there's way worse stories out of my school. Way worse than what I'm telling you. I mean seriously worse. I mean troubling. Like the teacher who was having an ongoing relationship with a 15-year-old student. Like the kids on the wrestling team that were being sought by scouts and everything else from college and had full rides coming their way and had all the opportunity in the world. And they threw it away because they shoved a dildo and sexually molested a kid in the locker room. This happened uh, at that point. I was a sophomore. No, I was a, well, no. No, that's right, I was a sophomore. Yeah, I was a sophomore when this happened. These were seniors. And these weren't small guys. These were guys that nowadays, you know, you would see these guys at the bar. They didn't grow, they're the same size, you know, or whatever, you know. They're, they're bigger, they're, they were bigger guys. It took like four, the four of them held down this kid and shoved the dildo up his ass in the in the locker room of the school. This was in the paper. Uh, this was talked about through the halls of the school. This is a black eye on the school that can never be removed. So when I tell you there's problems with public school. When I tell you there's pills being sold in the hallway. There's real problems, folks. And if you care, 
you'll you'll stand up and you'll say something about it. And you'll talk to other people that can do something about it. Something constructive that can make a difference. That can show people the school system doesn't have to be a rule by fear system. Because when you rule by fear alone, eventually people get a bad taste in their mouth of it. And they they rebel in a sense. Not violently, but figuratively speaking. And I had a great uh, educational system, a great um, support system there for me if I needed it. But I never needed it because I was always an independent thinker. I was always a, a sharp thinker. I was trying to be sharp with my movement, sharp with my actions. But also I had class. No matter something my dad always said, have have some class. When you do this, have class when you do this. Don't be a brute. Don't be a buffoon. And that's that sticks with me to this day. When you're young, you're wild, you're gonna cut off steam. It's going to happen. But when we're talking about drugs in the schools that were there when I was there, when we're talking about the molesting of this kid that happened in the schools when I was there. And uh, I know that that kid personally. I know him. And uh, it's not like we hung out. We weren't friends or anything. But I know him. He rode his bike around the neighborhood. I've seen him many times. Um, it was very tragic. And you have a teacher who was so comfortable in this school system, in this, I don't understand it, it was just so comfortable that this teacher, this educator, was having a relationship with a 15-year-old girl. An ongoing relationship. And he was later jailed, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, and the rest is history. But these are stains on my alma mater. They're not skeletons in the closet. You don't have to dig these these up. We know the sh- we know the the dark shadow that's been cast over the school I went to. Doesn't mean it's not a good school. It means the school failed. The school failed the students. It failed the parents of those students. It failed everybody who went to that school before. And it failed the residents, the current residents. That's tax dollars help fund the pensions of the teachers who are in these schools. That get to be comfortable. That get to be satisfactory. 
and get to be hunky dory eating s'mores pie and whatever the hell else they want in their brand new cars they weren't pulling up with beaters maybe back in the day in the 40s in the 50s the 60s 70s whatever i wasn't alive i don't know exactly i could find out though but I, I know the teachers didn't get paid what they get paid today. But what they're getting paid today is ungodly amount of money compared to what they were getting paid then. And on top of that, then they want to tell you they're broke. You know how many teachers actually told me they were broke? They didn't have any money. What a joke. What a What a sham. It's not my fault you're broke. Why would you tell a student that? Ultimately, they, in the public school systems, they've allowed the students to run wild because what they've gotten tight in, in the restrictions only affected really people that just were sick of it, sick of being treated uh, the way they were being treated so they didn't go. And the school system was, it was set up to punish these people instead of punishing the people who are causing the problems and allowing them to get off the hook and allowing the teachers to get off the hook for poor performance. And that's a real, real neglect of the future of education. And it happened right before my eyes. And it might be happening right before your eyes. But no matter what. It's happening in the public school systems. Across this great nation. And it has to be corrected. It will be. It will be. But it has to be soon. It really has to be soon. Um, we've waited a long enough time. And anybody that tells you that the public school system was great and it was hunky-dory. You tell them the stories I told you. You tell them the blatant disrespect for the law, the blatant disregard for the students, the blatant, the blatant mockery of education that these teachers put on, the facade that they put on for me in high school. And for many others, I witnessed it, I watched it, I seen it happen. How much they pushed college and pushed you away from a, a career, but pushed you to go to higher education and take more on your plate and more on your workload, but never engaged you to be career-minded. They never approached you with a work uh, go go to school and work opportunity. It was there, but you had to go on your own will and find it. They didn't care. There was too many people to care. And that's not a good excuse, but that's that's the truth. That's what I'm telling you. There was too many people for them to care or keep track of. The only time they talked to you is when you did made a mistake you were t you were tardy so many times it was always about being tardy and truant instead of being prudent instead of worrying about the prudence and worrying about the subject matter they made a mockery 
of my four years of high school. Will they make a mockery of your uh, kids' four years of high school? I fought through it. I battled it. I overcame. I know high schoolers today can. I know they can. Oh, yeah. But it's up to them. It's not up to me. Like I said, I'm just doing the super show. That's why it's the super show, baby. You already know. You don't have to go anywhere else for this stuff. You can. I, I listen to other shows, but they're they're not like my show. Uh, they're... How do you put it? The shows that are out there are very one-sided. It's one point of view, and that's the point of view they stick with. And that's not my show. My show's all over the place. But everything is on point. Everything is on target. We're talking about the public schools today. We talked about tiny homes and the movement that's happening right before our eyes. We talked about how we're not getting the stimulus. Mitch McConnell dragging his feet. Nancy Pelosi dragging her feet. The Treasury Secretary saying release $580 million, whatever, from the Federal Reserve. Putting pressure on the Federal Reserve. All of a sudden, he wants to hold out. They're a Federal Reserve chairman. What the hell's going on with this stuff? People, don't you ever forget they work for us. When they take that job as a public official, as a civil servant, they work for us. You're paying their pensions. You're paying so that they can have a house in Illinois or Wisconsin and then in the and then in the winter they can snowbird down to Florida or Arizona or wherever Georgia whatever you're paying for that wake up understand where the money is going the money matters if you cannot want people to pay their taxes but not care what's happening with the tax dollars that's like wanting the fence to be built but not caring how the fence gets built i just need a defense it no because now you got this dinky thing that's going to be knocked over by a bad storm or ripped out of the ground by a bad storm because it wasn't done right right so that's not how it works that's not how the ball game is played I'm not saying you have to stay up all night over the stuff. But pay attention because you're being fed the lie and they want you to buy the lie and sell the truth. CNN wants you to buy the lie. MSNBC wants you to buy the lie. Uh, Big-headed Jim Cramer, um, supposed to be the stock guy, super political, super anti-Trump, super uh, anti-freedom. uh, he wants you to buy the lie that Biden's somehow going to be good for this country when we all know Biden's going to be here for about six months. He's going to have little effect on policy. His handlers are already getting ready. They're talking to his wife, Jill. They know what's coming. 
we all know we're watching, we're witnessing Joe Biden with early uh, onset Alzheimer's, early onset dementia. But the people on the left just think that's a personal attack. They don't believe it, but they're they're going to believe it after six months. This guy can't complete uh, a thought. I do a hour and a half podcast. Joe Biden can talk for more than 10 minutes without having to stumble and fumble and bumble. Spilling all of and drooling all over himself, spitting all over the place. His dentures aren't even in right. What do you expect when you get the square from Delaware? What do you expect? He's not from Delaware, he's representing. Whatever. Who cares? Something's wrong with that. Something in the air or the water in the northeast, there's something going on there where all these all these people went Democrat and are going Democrat, keep going Democrat. Something's going on there. Take a look. I don't know. But it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to me. What what does make sense though is that people were very disappointed. Uh, that we the people are being put on the back burner. Still, not by Trump, but by Congress, by the Senate. And by the media, because they want to bash the president, they've made that clear. The media hates Donald Trump, so they're worried about bashing him, and they've all done it. All of them have done it, and will continue to do it, secretly or out in the open. Either way, they're doing it. And they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing very well. And like I like I said to you, they're like the public schools, they're making a mockery of us. Congress, Senate, they're all happy. Oh my gosh, I won. Oh look at me, I get my two years here in Congress. I get my Two years here in the Senate, and I get to do this now, and oh, wow, look at me go. But the American people have to watch the filth. We have to watch the filth, the lies, the deceit, the stay home, don't whisper at Thanksgiving, don't have Thanksgiving, get the turkey, don't get the turkey. They they don't even know what they want you to do. I got a freaking alert today on my phone i thought it was a damn amber alert it was a freaking telling me uh we're tier three listen i could be really funny about this but i'm i'm almost in the, like a desperation mode with people because we've fallen so far The misinformation out there that people have bought the lie and sold the truth, that is so relevant. I don't know who coined that phrase. I, I just started saying that. I don't, I don't remember ever hearing that. I just started saying it because it's so true. 
and it, it describes exactly how our democracy is flowing. Um, it's, it's the, the truth has been sold and it hasn't just been sold to China. The truth as we know it, what we know our civil liberties to be are going to be tested under the Biden administration. I hate to break it to you like that. They're going to test us. And we will pass this test with flying colors. We may not pass with the flying colors of the rainbow like they want us to pass with, but we will pass and we it will suffice. Because of the American spirit. Because of brotherhood. Because of camaraderie. Because some of us, like myself, believe in class and having class when we go about doing things. Because we believe in our United States Constitution, because we believe in the Founding Fathers, because we believe in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for us, who paid the ultimate price. We have choice to make. We can live in the shadows. Or we can live our lives. On our terms. On the terms. The founders. Laid out. Opportunity. Prosperity. Free enterprise. Freedom. Liberty. Our republic as we know it. Is going to be tested like never before. Beginning in January. And I hope you're ready. And if you're not ready and you need to get mentally prepared for what is going to come, I would start planning on doing that now. Don't wait. Don't wait, because this is very important. You are your country. Your country isn't you. You are your country. Whatever we put into this is what we're going to get out of it. Do you understand? Is that resonating? The people that aren't putting anything in. They don't stand to gain anything, but stand to lose just as much, if not more. And the ones that do care, that do voice their opinion, that do pay attention to history, that do pay attention to science, that do pay attention to God, that do have faith, those of us will prosper. Oh yes, we will. And we will like never before. But I'll tell you today, and I don't, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Beginning in January, no matter how this shakes out with Trump becoming president, Biden becoming president, 
from January, and I, I predict about six months. The economy is slowing. Uh, the economy is slowing because the Democrats, let's be specific, the Democrats have in uh, Michigan, in California, in Illinois, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, all run by governor, uh, governorships all run by Democrats. You heard all those states I listed off. They've all locked down. They've all shut down businesses, ordered businesses to be shut down, or uh, those business owners would be in jail. Uh, Kayla McGee, McGee, um, McEnany, White House, uh, press secretary, uh, beautiful young woman. She says, uh, that this is Orwellian. She's not wrong. She's absolutely right. But I would take it a step further. I would say this is coercion. I would say this is coercion on, uh, one of the highest levels, uh, I've, I've ever seen in my life. This is it, folks. This is coercion. This is what coercion looks like. Um, our civil liberties are at stake. Yes, they are. And people don't want to believe that because they've bought the lie and they sold the truth. We're not going to be them. We're going to protect our liberties and our freedoms and fight for our God-given rights and our God-given rights that are protected under the Constitution whether people will tell that to you or not and we'll fight like hell for them we'll fight like hell for these rights that we have the rights that we do have left your freedom of assembly your freedom of speech your right to bear arms Your right to buy a damn roll of toilet paper. Folks, these things are at stake. You can go on pretending and live in fairy tale world if that's what you want to do. That's fine. But I've known many people that have lived in fairy tale world. And in every fairy tale, something dastardly happens and then they have come to realize that is not the world they want to live in that we can't live our lives like a utopia that is why we live in a republic and we must uphold the founding principles of our republic because they're slipping away. And I painfully watch this. I painfully watch this. For a long time, for over 10 years, I've seen this happening. For over 10 years, I've watched this. I've watched the same Democrats that these people cheer. The same ones. have done everything they can to stab the American people in the back. The Chuck Schumers, the Nancy Pelosi's, 
the list goes on. It boils my blood. That these people get away with what they get away with. But it's a learning lesson. Of how we can be better. Of how we can do better. Of how we won't stoop to their level. Although they need to throw the governor of Michigan right out on her ass with the Thanksgiving stuffing and the Thanksgiving leftovers. Throw that governor Whitmer. Impeach that wretch. Get her out of there. She's the wicked witch of the West. She's terrible for politics. And she's terrible for Michigan. And she doesn't represent Michigan values. And she shut the businesses down. The businesses that are holding on for dear life. That pleaded with her. That begged with her. And they're telling me the Republicans in the Congress. That they they run the show in the Congress here in West, in, uh, in Michigan. But the Republican uh, Speaker of the House doesn't have enough balls to stand up to this Whitmer. What does he got? Some, does he like her or something? What's going on here? What type of sleazy game are we playing? Your constituents, Mr. Speaker of the House, are asking you to bring impeachment charges that are completely lawful, completely credible, and can be backed up by evidence, and they're allowing you to put that on the floor. And you are not allowing that, Mr. Speaker of the House of Michigan. And I'm calling on you to get your act together, bud. Because when you look at what's going on in Michigan, when you look at what's happening in my state of Illinois with a fat slob governor we have, Governor J.B. Pritzker, the slob that he is and a slob his whole family is, bunch of slobs, and they have crapped on your families, so don't give me that. Oh, yeah, I went there. That's right. They crapped on your families. The Pritzker family, the Hyatt Hotels, they, they dookied. All over your Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. And while you're picking the extremities. Out of your turkey. From the load. J.B. Pritzker dumped on it. Out of his mouth. Out of his back end. You can remember this can happen. Anywhere. This can happen in your neighborhood. This can happen in your city. This can happen on your block. Read up on the Constitution. Understand your Bill of Rights. Know what's at stake. And keep fighting. Fight like hell. We don't have time to cry. We don't have time to feel sorry for ourselves. I'm gonna go kicking and screaming. And I don't care who hears me. They can be led like good little sheeps to the slaughter. But I've seen it before. Never at this level. But at this level now we know. The people have to look out for the people. And I implore you to be safe. To act safe. To stay vigilant. To be better. 
Don't stoop to their level. Make your point. Be done with with the losers. With the scumbags, the degenerates, the hippies, the dopers, the Democrats with a needle up their arm that want to tell you something that you think that they think they know better. They're no better than you. It's time we started playing a little bit of hardball. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate your diligence listening to Preston's Super Show. I'm honored I could spend this time with you. Hopefully, I've awakened you. Hopefully, I've enlightened you. And no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, I'm glad you're a listener. Because by listening to this show, you've chosen to listen to a voice of reason. You've chosen to listen to a voice of a generation. I may not get that, that credit. I may not get that appreciation. But I'll speak it into existence. God is on our side. Time is not. Manage your time wisely. Take a little bit of time every day, 15-20 minutes. Read up on the Constitution. Read up on the Bill of Rights. Understand the Declaration of Independence. And why it's the greatest press release in the entire universe. Understand these things. Understand the amendments that were added to the Constitution. The radicals that have rammed through amendments to the Constitution. Look at what is going on in your neighborhoods. And tell me if that's okay. Look what's going on in the neighborhoods around you, surrounding your community, because they affect your community one way or another. Tell me if it's okay what's going on there. I think we'll all come to find out that we don't like a lot of what is happening in our neighborhoods right now. I'm blessed to be able to do this show, to be able to engage with the audience in this intimate setting. There's so many things I could talk about. But I feel like this is a good place to leave it until next time. And just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everybody.